Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you guys have already felt like we've had church, right? Stand up with me if you would. We're going to go to 2 Timothy if you want to turn in your Bibles today. We're going to talk a little bit about Imagine More. If you're streaming with us, thank you so much for being a part of this service. And I'm glad that you guys are here. One more time, let's hear it for our graduates. Yeah. A milestone that's very, very important. So today, I don't know about you, but whenever I go on trips, I like to have a road map. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm get lost really, really easy. I'm the guy that will stop at gas stations and ask or use what we used to call Tom Tom. Now it's just our cell phone. You know, hey Siri, where am I going or where am I at? So today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start in 2 Timothy, and then we're going to read verses 21 and 22. And then we're going to use 22 through 26 to answer some questions. Is that all right with you guys? 23 through 26. So let's begin by reading verses 20 through 21, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for the honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. Thank you for this wonderful day of celebration. Speak to us. We lift up your name. And everybody says, amen, amen. Wave at your neighbors. You sit down. We are a friendly church. Hey, guys. Thank you for streaming. Wave at your neighbor there on the couch. I'm going to do a quick illustration. Paul is talking here to his young son in the faith, Timothy. Now, I thought it was very interesting that of all the people that Paul could write to, he finds time to write Tismenti. He finds time to write to a young man that no doubt got saved on one of his missionary journeys. He could have written to churches and different peoples, political leaders, but he finds enough time to sit and put pen to paper and pour his heart out to his young son. So I think we should heed to that, amen? But he talks to him and he said, Now, Timothy, all of us are a vessel. And in the house, we have many vessels. Some are gold and some are silver, some are wood. And he goes down the line. Some are for dishonorable use and some for honorable use. But I like what Paul says here. Paul says, but if you want to be cleansed, cleanse yourself. Well, what is he talking about? Well, we know we have to go through Jesus Christ and him and him alone. And he's talking about finding those deep areas in our life, some stuff that maybe we haven't given to God yet. If you're not saved, hey, we are a church who loves salvations. We want you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. But we're also talking to the Christian here. To the person who says, you know, there's some things that I want to hang on to. Maybe there's some things in life that has happened. And we know that upon creation or upon salvation, we're a new creation. In the Old Testament, it says that we get a new heart, and we know that. And then in the New Testament, behold, all things are new. So we understand that things change spiritually for us. And we become like this vessel, this container. And God pours His Spirit in us richly and generously. And we should always have a continuous flow. And we notice that when we have a continuous flow, we have a what? An overflow. So that says to me that the only way to get an overflow is to get an inflow. 
Well, how do we get an inflow? Well, we invite Jesus Christ into our heart. We go to church. We worship Him. We praise Him. We read His Word. We raise our hands and bow our knees. Amen? Say, God, what are you speaking to me? But let's be real here. Why would Paul be writing to Timothy unless he maybe saw some things? What we have to be careful with is many times when we read the Bible... We have a way of taking those people and promoting them a little too high sometimes. We've got to remember they were ordinary men. The Bible says in the Old Testament that from the dust we were formed. And then Paul says that we're nothing more than earth and clay vessels. So life happens. Sometimes unexpectedly, sometimes expectedly. Sometimes the, the enemy comes in an attack against us and what happens is our life begins to be peppered a little bit. And if we don't have an inflow, that can stay there. But if we have an inflow of the Holy Spirit, if we say, I'm the vessel, you're the God, pour into me, then we begin to see that it cannot stay. And what we see is as there continues to be an inflow, it doesn't matter what is thrown at us because it will not stick with us. But if we stop... How many of you know that we can stop going to church, we can stop reading the Bible, we can stop praising God, but the world's not going to stop throwing stuff at us. We've got an enemy, and he means to kill us. So don't think that he's not going to stop. So if we stop the inflow, we begin to be peppered. But oh, if we'll keep that inflow going, and then what do we do? We even become refreshing. To people around us. I only got two or three coffee grounds. That's not bad. <laughs> but we begin to be refreshing to one another. To what God has called us for. And that's what Paul is saying. Dear Timothy, hear me in the first chapter of this book. He says, you're my son and I love you. So be careful what you do. And he begins to pour into his life. There's a young man named Pim. Pim is from Malawi. Pim was born with the right leg that was damaged. It was bow-legged, and he just couldn't do certain things no matter how hard he tried. He'd want to go out and play soccer and football, and he did the best that he could, but there was only so much he could do. And because of where he was born and raised, there was a stigma attached to disabilities. So he couldn't do certain things, and people kind of pushed him to the side. It didn't matter how many times he went to school. He just always felt rejected. He was taken in by his aunt and his uncle, and one day there was a car running down the streets. Now we're talking about Malawi here, so there's not a TV in every home. They don't have that luxury. I was thinking about our situation. If there wasn't a TV in every home in here, and we couldn't watch Netflix and play video games, I was thinking we're like the, the Wicked Witch of the East. I'm melting! I need it. But they don't have that. There was a car driving down the road with a big speaker attached to it, and it was announcing, if you have a deformity, if you have something that we can help you with, come to the hospital. There's doctors there that want to help you. Pim's aunt and uncle said it was like the voice of God was crying from that speaker that day, I want to help you. They go, and the doctors look at his leg and say, oh yeah, Pim, we can help you. So through a series of surgeries, they fix it, and his leg is restored to where it should have been to begin with. They said as he was walking around the hospital, he, he, his favorite person was Spider-Man. Mine is, is Captain America. I like He's a World War II vet, okay? He's, he, doesn't, he didn't have any kryptonite. 
But for him, it was Spider-Man. And when he would be in the x-ray room, it would be Batman. And he'd go around shooting his web and having fun. And all of a sudden, this young man that had no spirit, that had no hope, had no future, somebody looked at him and said, we're going to imagine more for you. His aunt and uncle said, we're going to imagine more for you. The doctors look at it and said, we think we can fix this. Let's imagine more for Pim. And Pim walked in it. Now he's a happy kid going around and his spirits are lifted and increasing people in the hospital and loving God. And I think about that in our lives and I think about Paul here as he's writing to Timothy. He's saying, really, Timothy, I want to imagine more for you. God's got some great stuff for you, but you've got to be willing to keep some stuff clean. If you're a note taker, the first thing that I see as I read this verse is this. It's not complicated. Look at your wife. Look at your husband. I won't say just wives, but look at your wife and husband, neighbor, and say, it's not complicated. Yeah, it's not as complicated as we make it sometimes. Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, it's dishonorable or it's honorable. We live in such a culture today that wants to drag everything into the gray area. We're looking at the Bible and it says what it says and I can't do anything but it says because God has spoken to me about doing what he said to do and if I'm really going to honor him then I must do what it says to do. It's not complicated. A grandma walks in and there's two kids, three, excuse me, her grandson and three other boys. Grandma walks in and they immediately pause the TV. That's never good. They turn around and look at her and say, listen, Grandma, Listen, 98% of the show that we're watching is good. Don't worry, and we'll turn our eyes or we'll cup our ears. You know, we'll put our hands over our face. But it's really good, Grandma. It's okay. Can we watch it? And she goes, yeah, sure. You guys go ahead and watch it. She said, I'm going to make you some brownies. So she goes into the kitchen and starts mixing the batter, the aroma. You know, brownies, we love brownies. Chocolate and sugar and sugar and chocolate and sugar. Oh. It's really good, right? And they smell it, and it's good, and they don't know, but she goes out into the backyard and picks up a little speck of dirt. Now, she particularly got a speck of dirt where the dog does its business. But it's just a little bit. It's not very much, so it'll be okay. She takes it back in the house and sprinkles it in the bowl and goes back to stirring. The oven's on. She places the brownie mix in the oven, and, of course, you know... She takes them out, she cuts them, and they're particularly cut. I mean, triangles and squares, and they're just immaculate. She hands it to the young boys, and she says, you guys eat up. They're about to lift the brownie and stick it in the mouth, and she goes, but wait a second, I, I, I just, I want to tell you. She goes, you probably won't even notice. You probably won't even take it, taste it. But what I did is I went out in the backyard and found a place where the dog did its business, the good news was it was dry. It wasn't even wet. It was dry. And I picked it up and I put it in the brownie mix. You probably won't even taste it. Go ahead, eat up, boys. Well, you can imagine what happened. They pushed themselves away and said, there's no way that we're going to eat this. Well, what was Grandma trying to say? Exactly what we're trying to say. A little goes a long ways. Either honorable or dishonorable. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. And he said, this is you guys' problem. See, whenever Jesus says that, you go, this is how he said, this is your problem. Woe to you Pharisees. And he said, this is what's going on. You're like this cup and saucer. You're immaculate on the outside. You're clean. 
But I look into the cup and there's nothing but dirt and grime. See, we think because sometimes, man, I put on a really good show, it's going to be okay. That, that maybe I can do this or do that, it's just a little bit. But the truth is, if it's dirty, it's dirty. It's either honor or dishonor. It's not complicated. So what's the remedy? Well, I think Paul gives us the remedy in the next chapter there. It says in, in 2 Timothy 22, chapter 2, it says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who are called, who, who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Now, we've got to dissect this, this just a little bit, because I love Paul. He's talking to Timothy here, and he says, Listen, brother, there's some stuff that you're going to have to be letting go of because you are maturing. There's some things that's going on in your life that you're trying to move on, and you've got to let go of some things. Yeah, yeah, we can see the maturity in the verse. See, graduates, you're going to a new place in life, and you can't still hang on to high school. Can I get an amen? amen. You're going to graduate from college, and you still can't act like you're a freshman in college. You need to go out and get a job and go ahead and do the things necessary to do. But there will be people that want to pull you back. Just like Paul mentioned here, there's gold and there's silver vessels and there's wooden. And I want to apologize on behalf of the church. If somebody's ever walked up to you and said, you know what, I know that you've been saved, but you'll never change. God will never use you. You've done too much in your past. You carry too much shame. You've done too many bad things. Let me say that they're absolutely wrong. This is what I know. Pastor and I were talking about this the other day, so if you don't like it, you can blame him. <laughs> Got out of that one. Boop. Pastor said, Matt, this I do know. That if I'm serving a king out of a gold cup and it's dirty, he won't drink it. But if I take a wooden vessel and it's clean and the contents are pure, they're going to drink it. You never know who you're going to impact and influence. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. Let God determine that. Let God speak over your life. And say, God, use me. But we've got to be clean. Change those areas of my life. You know what's sad? There's nothing more sad than somebody not acting their age. Yeah, I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Some of you need to hear that twice, okay? You're repeating it to yourself. Think about it, high school. There's nothing worse than a 10th or 11th or 12th grader still acting like they're in 7th grade. Yeah, like grow up. And as you get older, you'll find out there's nothing worse than a junior or senior in college still acting like they're a freshman in high school. Move on. You super seniors, it's time to, to go on, man. Go on to college. And it gets worse. It gets worse if you're 30 or 40 acting like you're 20. Oh, my goodness. And then 50 and 60-year-old men that walk in with skinny jeans and their hats sideways. They got a gold chain. They're like John Cena, you know. And then they look ridiculous. And everybody knows it. Yeah, you're laughing. And all of you guys are thinking of somebody like that right now. I know, because I was thinking about it when I prepared the message. <laughs> Timothy, flee, youth. Grow up, my son. But I'm not just going to say flee and go one way. What does it mean to flee? That means I see danger, so I'm going to turn around and run the other way. That's called repentance. Repent. Don't let those things hold on to you. Drop it at the feet of Jesus and say, you're going to do things for my life, and I can't wait. But I love Paul. Paul didn't just say, take off running, buddy. He says, pursue what? Faith and righteousness and love. The things of God. See, graduates, Paul goes on and he says there at the very end of verse 22, 
He says, hang out with those people who chase God with a pure heart. You're going to have to let some relationships go. Young Christian, you're going to have to let some relationships go. Old Christian, you're going to have to let some relationships go. Where God wants to take you, he wants to move you, he wants to do things in your life, and those things, those people want to say, you're not good enough. Remember what he wrote to Timothy? He wrote to Timothy, he said, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. You keep preaching the gospel, you keep telling people about Jesus, and you do it with excellence, my dear son. So we're going to break some stuff off of our life. I can't go back to where I came from. But if I've got somebody constantly pulling me, it's hard to run with a parachute on your back. And that's what he's saying. He goes on to 2 Timothy 2, 23. Okay. How do we act dishonorable? Okay. Dishonorable. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they only breed quarrels. So how do I act dishonorable? I get involved in a bunch of stuff that are that is ignorant. I can spend my whole life arguing about things that don't need to be arguing about. Nobody got closer to the kingdom of God. My family's not better. Any of that stuff. And you know the worst thing about not acting your age? It was funny, and I understand that. But I was thinking about this, the actual destruction that it causes when people don't act like they need to act. People that are hurt, that have a hard time getting past it. They should have never been hurt. Situations coming up. Money lost. Savings accounts will never be the same. You don't need the Harley at a midlife crisis. You've never had one in your life. Don't go buy one now. Oh, my goodness. I don't know who that was for, but that was Jesus. Yeah. I had a motorcycle once. I'm into bicycles now, so I need, to, I need to shut up. So I will, I will. Ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. What dishonors God is intentionally going after an argument. I'm making a point, and I'm going to push in, and I'm going to hurt people's feelings, and I won't care. You're being dishonorable. And Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, listen, don't do that kind of stuff. Because how many of you know, whether you're young or old, you had this thing kind of well up inside of you. It's called pride. Yeah. And graduates, you're going to face some professors. Do not get into a two-day argument over them. I had a college professor once, and I said, I just need to know where you come from. I'm not trying to start a holy war. He was a psychologist. I said, I just need to know where you come from. Are you coming from that there is no God or that there is a God? Because I believe that there is a God. And he just answered, and we went on, and now I understood how to take everything that he was handing me. But we can't get involved in that kind of stuff. There's people that really want to know the truth, and you know what? Let's go to them. Say, God, lead me to them. Make me clean so I can be used. He goes in in 24, well, how do we be honorable? Well, it just continues, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, so let's not argue with everyone, right? Let's be nice, able to teach. That means you know something, and that's great. Don't let that puff you up, but remember how you learned it. Somebody had to teach you, right? Ooh, patiently enduring evil. Man, that's hard. So does that mean I need to keep my mouth shut? I don't need to argue. I don't need to fight. No, no, you need to fight for what's right. Now, you need to do it smartly, not throw bricks through windows and set buildings on fire, okay? I know uh, that's not going to get a whole lot of amens, but it's true. There's a way to do it, and there's a way to pursue it with a heart that's pointed towards Christ. The next thing, as I continue to read, I see that, that he shores up the lines that Jesus is our master. He says, listen, if you'll do this, you'll be useful to the master of the house. Now, we know that Paul says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we have, we're a house. We're a house for the Spirit of God to be inside of us. Amen? Those are the things that he wants us to walk in and go forward in. 
the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He says, don't argue, don't do this, be used of God. No doubt Timothy was pastoring a church, and as he was pastoring the church, he had a lot of things to fight. Maybe a lot of people didn't think he was equipped or he couldn't do it and found himself and maybe just trying to flesh it all out and tread it all out and it became more and more and more difficult. Paul says, listen, remember, you're a vessel and whenever you become a clean vessel, you become useful to who? The master. The master of the house. Let me ask you a question. Who's the master of your house? In the Old Testament, we learned that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I hope that's where you're at this morning because that's where God wants you to be at. In verse 25, we learn how to be used by the master, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Once again, what is our purpose to be used? It's salvation, it's building the church. Sometimes we can get kind of corroded with a bunch of stuff, kind of like this, this situation right here. You got clean, pure water in the cup or Pretty much pure. There's a little, I'm not going to lie, there's a little bit of coffee grounds in there. But then you have the world on the outside. And just because we're in the world doesn't mean we have to be of the world. A good way to explain it is just because the boat is in the water doesn't mean the water needs to be in the boat. So, so, so we don't want to be quarrelsome. We don't want to do those things. We want to be gentle. Why? Because we want people to come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this. Gentleness is so important because we know narrow is the gate. Narrow is the path that leads to salvation, that leads to heaven. And, and what gentleness does is it magnifies that. And I want my life in every way to magnify my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want it to magnify His ways and what He can do. Well, it goes back to me being a vessel and say, God, if there's any areas in my life, please keep pouring. Please keep pouring. Let me read and seek your face and know you. But we, we have to have that attitude of God. I'm not there yet. Anybody's not there yet? Got a little ways to go. Gentleness is so important in that. And as we're being used by the master, remember the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It doesn't say, Behold, I stand at the door with the battering ram. It doesn't say, behold, I stand at the door with 15 of my loudmouth friends and we're going to storm your house and make sure your whole house is saved. It says, behold, I stand at the house, I stand at the door and knock. The Apostle John puts it like this, if you knoweth not God, you knoweth not love, for God is love. And then again, he also says that one of the great characteristics of being a Christian is to love like who? Love like God. I love Psalms 86 and 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We're to be used by the master. Let's be used in gentleness. Sometimes we don't realize how close we actually are to being set free from that thing. If we'll just continue on in gentleness. If we'll continue on in the spirit operating in our life. My wife and I was watching a series the other day, and it's a war correspondent. He got hurt, and now he's recouped, and he's joined forces with his son, and they go from place to place in the world. And basically what they do is they take us to those places, and they were in the innermost parts of the Amazon jungle in South America. And they came across this place. It was a monkey sanctuary. And it was very interesting to me because in this sanctuary, as I was looking, there were no nets. There weren't cages. These cameramen would walk in and all these monkeys would begin to climb all over them. And the monkeys would climb their, with their handlers and different things like that. And these monkeys were rescued many times from cartels or illegal trade. And my thought process, it hit me all of a sudden. 
These monkeys don't know how close they are to freedom. They climb the tree, take 10 steps, and there's nobody that can catch them. Why is gentleness important? Because it helps us see the path. It helps us see where Christ is taking us. It's hard to see something with a battering ram in your hand. It's hard to see something when your mouth covers your eyes because we're spitting stuff out we don't need to be. And the truth is, really, that we're so close. Listen to me, I don't know who this is for, but you're so close. You're about to beat that addiction. You're about to beat that thing that you know you've got to turn your eyes from. You're about to restore that marriage. You're about to restore that relationship. Don't give up. Don't give up. If it takes another time at the altar, you come to the altar. If it takes another time of praise and worship in your den, you get down and you do praise and worship. If it takes another time of quoting the Bible, you quote it over and over and over because you're almost there. I'm not going to fight like the enemy fights. I'm going to fight like Christ fights, and that's with gentleness and kindness. And finally, the third thing here, and we're landing the bird, is the good works that we get to walk in. Paul's talking to Timothy here, and he says this. He says, ready for every good work. When I grew up, I was a part of an association called Royal Rangers. It was kind of like a Christian Boy Scouts, and we had a motto, ready, ready for anything. Ready to work, serve, play, obey, worship, etc. And that's really what Paul is writing to Timothy. He said, listen, God has got some stuff for your life. God wants you to imagine more. But the way that we imagine more is have more of that spirit in our life. More of God that we can get in our life and say, God, overfill me. Do things with my life that only you can do. In verse 26, chapter 2 of Timothy there. And then they came to their senses and escaped from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Why is gentleness so important? And they came to their senses. You know what I want more than anything? Is to people to bow their heart and bow their life to Jesus Christ because that will truly change them. Sometimes many <laughs> rhetoric won't, policies won't, but a real encounter with Jesus Christ will change them. And we've all had that. I want you to think back for a minute to your salvation experience. I want you to think back to what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Were you riding in a vehicle when Jesus Christ began to speak to you? Maybe you were listening to the radio or a CD player. Maybe you were already a Christian and he began to infill your life with something new. Maybe a revelation that he asked you to do. Well, we see that in the New Testament with the Ethiopian. He was riding in a cart and began to read part of the Bible, and it just began to jump out and grab him, and then his life totally changed See, we can't always help how the Spirit acts. What we have to be is open to what the Spirit wants to do. Maybe it'll be you. You'll be going to a place maybe you don't need to go to with some friends that maybe you know you should have let go a long time ago. Calculating some things that probably you don't need to do. That's what happened to Paul. Paul was on the road to Damascus, ready to destroy more of the church, and Jesus Christ began to talk to him, and his whole life changed. It can happen, amen? Because we have to believe that as I clean myself, as I go to Christ to say, pour your anointing in me, pour your spirit in me, get through every nook and cranny, every crevice that might be hiding something, drag it into the light that way I can imagine more. I was thinking about Pim's uncle and aunt and the doctor's. How they got to influence him to imagine more. 
What a great opportunity that you and I have that we can, we can create an opportunity that people can imagine more. There's a great feast that's happening in the Bible and a great dinner. And the servant says, go out and compel people to come in and join me. Go out into the highways, into the byways, into the streets. What a wonderful word, compel. You guys remember being compelled if you're saved? The Spirit of God was all over you. You white-knuckled the altar, man, I have to go. We get to walk in that now. We hope other people have that same experience. What an honor. Because we believe that the good works that we do in gentleness, they don't have to be complicated, do they? We have to be a vessel that's honorable. And how are we honorable? We present ourselves across and say, continue to change me, God. But life does get in the way. Everyday things, jobs and bills. Just like our illustration, just a sprinkle here and a sprinkle there. And we know all of our schedules are pretty demanding. Before we know it, we can slack off on our devotion time, slack off on praise and worship, maybe check out at church for a month or two. But that stuff keeps piling on, doesn't it? All we have to do is come back to the flow and say, God, I want to open that nozzle back up. I want you to flood my life. God, take all these impurities out. That way I can be refreshed, but I can also be a refreshing to others around me. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.